You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Broncos Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver, hosted by myself, George Stoy of the Denver Gazette, and my good friend and former Broncos safety, Nick Ferguson. Nick, what's going on, man? What's going on, George? Man, it is uh, a, a great day. Uh, Thanksgiving is uh, upon us. So many things to be thankful for, and um, sometimes you get fired on your day off. Yeah, Melvin Gordon, uh, not the best Thanksgiving week for him. Uh, he gets cut by the Broncos after his fifth fumble this season on Sunday. Nick, we even talked about it a little bit post game. Uh, I think it was me that said, I don't even know if they could cut him because they just don't have a ton of running back depth. We also find out yesterday Chase Edmonds is going to be out, quote, a lot of time, according to Nathaniel Hackett. So you're down to Latavius Murray, Marlon Mack, and Divino Zigbo. Uh, as your three running backs and uh, Nick, just what was your, 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 I guess, reaction to Melvin uh, being cut on Monday? Well, because I've been in that situation before George, I mean, I felt for him uh, as a person, as a player, but from a business standpoint, I understood. I mean, you, you look at Melvin's career here with the Denver Broncos, you say three seasons, 12 fumbles, and he's lost nine of those fumbles it becomes uh, very problematic. And with the fans' voices, you know, elevating to the volume that it has, you know, with, you know, question marks and criticism of Nathaniel Hackett, this Broncos offense, Russell Wilson, you can't really add to that pot because when you look at some of those losses, some have even said that they were Melvin Gordon's fault, even though, you know, there's so many guys on the field and there's it's a 60-minute game. But when the Broncos were in scoring opportunities, just so happens Melvin happened to be carrying the ball and it took points off the board. You go back to how the Broncos started the season in Seattle. Then you look at the Chargers. Then you look again, you know, uh, Sunday against the Raiders. Everyone's been talking about the Broncos scoring points and how bad they've been. But if you give the Broncos those touchdowns where Mar- Melvin farmed the ball, Maybe we're looking at a different Broncos record at this point, and maybe the team momentum will be a little different. But that's hindsight being 2020. So it's always difficult to be released in these type situations, but you don't want to be released on Thanksgiving week. And once again, you know, I made a you know light of the situation, but it's like being fired on your day off. Yeah, I mean it's it's unfortunate for Melvin, but I think it had to happen, Nick. Um, you look at these fumbles. It's and I tweeted this out yesterday when they cut him. Is 
it's not that he's just fumbling the football. It's that he's fumbling literally in the most inopportune times. Like it's it's happening, you know, at the goal line. It's happening in close games when you really need to go score points. And then Nick, this this stat is just ridiculous. But I believe uh, of his last seven fumbles, three of them have been returned for touchdowns, which is just crazy to think about. Obviously, I think two of them last year were returned for touchdowns. The one this year against the Raiders obviously ended up you know, costly. Uh, and then I think of his 12 fumbles in his three years in Denver, I want to say three or four of them were inside the 10 yard line. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not, again, it's not like he's just fumbling uh, at inopportune time, you know, or at just random times. It's literally the, the worst time. So I think the Broncos just said, Hey, look, our season uh, is, is I, I wouldn't say lost obviously, because they, they, you could, they, you still have a lot to play, play for in the NFL, but, like in terms of what we were talking about the other day is, oh, you need so many backs. At this point, what what are you keeping him for? Uh, you know, the, te- the the fans don't like him. I mean, they were booing him during the game. Uh, you know, it, it's clear that he's really upset in that locker room. Like it, you, it, everybody just needed to cut ties and move on. And, and I think that that was the right decision. So, um, you know, it stinks to see him go. He was really good in the locker room in terms of media. Like I enjoyed talking to him. He was always very candid. Uh, but I think it was a move in the end that is probably best best for both sides. I don't know if that's how you think too for Melvin, but I'd assume somebody else will pick him up. Well, you know, I don't know with that assumption because when teams follow you as a player and all 31 teams get the film and they talk to uh, other coaches and and obviously they're going to talk to, you know, Curtis Markins, who's now with the Vikings, who once coached him. And then Tyrone Wheatley, who's coaching him now, who played the running back position in his league, they're going to talk to him, talk to those guys and ask them, what were the issues with Melvin Gordon? Was it a case of, you know what, maybe he overstayed his welcome with the Denver Broncos and things became mental for him with the with the, the criticism of the, the, the media and the fans booing him, like you said, and is he still a good player? And they're going to give their honest opinion and evaluation of, of Melvin. So, a change of scenery can be great for players. I, I just think the timing for Melvin as a person, as a player, it's always difficult. But in the long run, we knew this was going to happen because the Broncos have 24 guys who are going to be unrestricted free agents. Melvin was one of those. Melvin was one of those guys. You have Latavius Murray, who's the other, Marlon Mack, uh, who's the other guy as well. And what I know about this style of offense that, whether it's Hackett calling plays or Clint Kubiak, you need a multitude of running backs, which brings me to my uh, next question for you, George. Uh, Someone brought this up to me with the news being released yesterday about Melvin Gordon, and there was a name of a player that popped up. I uh, posted a video last night about it, and the name is Philip Lindsay. And the idea was like, why not take a a shot at Philip Lindsay again? It is low-risk high reward. And I know the knock is, well, he can't catch the ball out of the backfield. He can't really pick up the blitz. I've always said it's the coach's job to put his players in the best situation. And I will have to add this. Under Pat Shermer, they featured more Melvin Gordon than they did of Phillip Lindsay. And maybe, maybe under Clint Kubiak, things might look a little different. Well, they need bodies, right? Uh, they need, they need guys at the position uh, right now. I, I don't know, Nick. I mean, part of me is like, yeah, it'd be great. 
great story, right? Um, comes back, plays for the hometown team. You know, Philip was great with the media when he was here. Um, you know, I, I don't think it would be a distraction or maybe it'd be a good distraction to get everybody away from. Uh, there you go. You know, for you know, everybody can focus on him instead of all the negatives with this team. I would also say, though, I think that the Broncos like the group they have in terms of they like Latavius Murray. Uh, Marlon Mack's a guy that they're high on. We haven't seen him yet. Uh, and then Ozigbo, oh, I think, will just be up this week. And then I, I expect Mike Boone to be back. Uh, and once he's back, I would assume he will be brought up as well. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe maybe you sign Philip Lindsay, but I do think that you've got to sign someone, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you got to add somebody in the room because you can't only have three guys, uh, at least right now. So, I mean, if you can get Philip Lindsay, why not? Uh, you know, he's 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 played a while in this league. Uh, he can come in. I think he's a quick learner. It wouldn't take him long to learn this offense. So it could work, uh, Nick. But I, I just don't know if they'll do. I don't. I don't know what they're going to do. Because I mean, yesterday I said I literally said yesterday that I didn't think they could cut Melvin Gordon, and then they did it the next day. <laughs> so clearly, I don't know what I'm talking about. But um, I did want to play some some audio real quick, Nick. Nathaniel Hackett, I wanted to get your your thoughts on what he had to say uh, about Melvin and, and why they made this move. So we have the audio here from Denver, DenverBroncos.com. With, with Melvin, you know, he's a guy that's a, he's a true pro. He's done a lot of good stuff uh, here at the Denver Broncos and scored some touchdowns for us this year. And we, we thought it was best uh, for the team. And we moved on. And I wish him the best of luck. And uh, I think it's a great for him to have a fresh start. And uh, But with the running backs, it'll be Marlon Mack. He'll be up. And then uh, Divine Zigbo, we're looking to see if we can get him up also, along with Latavius. Nick, just what's your, uh, I guess, reaction to his his thoughts? And and I mean, I mean, I, I guess there's nothing new there, right? I mean, he said all the right things. Uh, I know some people were, I mean, these people they don't know, they haven't been in the locker room, but um, were mad at him saying he was a calling him a true professional. And I was like, well, Melvin was. Melvin was a true professional. I mean, he didn't have to talk the other night after the game. Uh, he was clearly upset and emotional, and I think he kind of knew what was coming, and uh, he spoke with the media. But what did you think about Nathaniel Hackett's thoughts there? I thought uh, they were genuine. Uh, when Hackett has gone to uh, the podium, just like Russell Wilson has, they've been as honest as uh, they can as uh, individuals, even though some of the media didn't take it or don't always take it that way. And the fact of saying that Melvin was professional, that he was. I mean, we know about – uh, the fumbling and that being a problem. But uh, every time you and I were in the locker room, uh, it was in, not just you and I, Melvin would talk to everyone, knowing is exactly the type of situation he was in. And the tough part of it for any player is talking directly to the media right after you made some kind of mistake because everyone is coming to you. And Melvin never shied away from it. I mean, I play with guys, George, that would only go to the podium when we won games. When we lost games, they would not go to the podium because they, I mean, that's the type of guys that they were. But it's always tough when you're in a situation when everyone knows that, yep, everyone saw you make a mistake and they're coming directly to you. Real quick story. When we play, we're playing against uh, Brett Farr on Monday Night Football. And this is when Dre Bly was here. And we had uh, somewhat of a blitz call because I was the person running the blitz. And we were supposed to, they were supposed to run, you know, maybe three deep coverage behind it. But Dre said, hey, you know what? That's that's Greg Jennings. I'm going to go impress him. And he missed him on a jam. And Greg Jennings is behind him. I'm like one step away from hitting Brett Favre. And he just launches 
this this massive pass down the field. So I turn and I look to see, hey, you know what? Dre is beaten. Uh, Greg Jennings has the ball in his hands. I don't even chase him. I walk right to the sideline because I, I knew at that point the game was over. Immediately when the doors open for the media, everyone, I mean, it's like 20 media personnel rushed to Dre Locker. And here's a question that was asked. Well, Dre, on that final overtime play in the game, what were you thinking? And I almost interrupted to answer the question like, what the heck do you think he was thinking? You think he wanted to do that? Yeah, he tried something that didn't work, and it cost us the game. But that's how this situation worked. And Melvin has always been great in that regard as far as answering the tough questions. And I'll add this to it. Anytime that you hear anyone in the NFL say that a guy is being professional, there's a chance that some, some way that guy was being screwed, meaning that there was something that was happening internally against that particular player. That's for future reference when you hear that, that word professional use. But in this case with Melvin, it was a little different. He was, uh, wasn't playing well, but decided to go to the podium and answer every single question. So I respect him for that. Yeah. And look, I mean, Melvin's, I don't know what the rest of his career holds. Maybe somebody picks him up. Maybe somebody doesn't. Um, but he had a, you know, he's had a heck of a career. I mean, he's a guy that is going to go out as, as one of the better running backs the last decade. Uh, you look at his stats. I mean, he, he ran for 2,222 yards in only three years, uh, with the Broncos. Um, you know, he's got how many touchdowns here? 19 touchdowns. So, uh, he was a good player in Denver. Um, you know, you could argue even, you know, the last two years that he was, uh, their best back. I know Javante Williams was great last year too. So, um, you know, he's a guy that, again, I know a lot of people question when they signed him. That's one thing I was going to ask you, Nick, as we wrap this up. Do you go back and you look at it? Obviously, the, the two previous years, it was a good signing. He did some good things. Do you go back and you say when they signed him back in whenever it was in the offseason, was that a good or bad signing considering how it ended up? Yeah, I'm going to say it was a good signing. I mean, you just mentioned 19 touchdowns. I think over the time that he was here, I think maybe a little over 2,000 yards on the ground. So, so yeah, it served its purpose because sometimes, you know, when you're running back, you, you have a chef life that's really short. And I would say that he's, he's played well. He played well for the Chargers. Didn't really work out, and sometimes that happened. He came here for uh, to join the Broncos and try to rejuvenate his career. And he had some games where it was just like, you know, looked like vintage, you know, Melvin Gordon. But then it's the ugly side of football. You know, there was the fumbles inside the red zone on the two-yard line. And you know how this works. The, the fans only remember the last negative thing that you did. They don't remember the positive things that you did because it's easy to go after those negative things. So Melvin had a, a great career, and here it is. I'm sounding like his career is over. But we would just have to wait to see, George, if other teams to say decide to sign him and just kind of put the fumbles uh, behind him, but I would like to see him uh, come back and be a part of an NFL team, be able to bounce back and put those fumbles behind him. Yeah, just ended up 12 fumbles in three years, just ended up being too much. And obviously uh, five of those this season. So um, even though only two were lost, but but still just, just too many to overcome. Nick, let's take a break uh, and then let's dive into uh, some defensive football. I want to ask you uh, about a certain uh, video that came out yesterday uh, that I want you to react to. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. Uh, and, Nick, there was a video, and you and I talked a lot about Pat Sertan uh, and the play at the end of the game. And, and for those that haven't checked out Nick's Twitter, he did a great breakdown of the play, uh, why it happened, uh, where Sertan can maybe learn from that play, um, you know, there in overtime that ended up being the game winner. But, Nick, I don't know if you saw the video of Devontae Adams after the game on the field uh, yelling into the camera, uh, he's too young. He's not there yet. Talking <laughs> about Pat Sertan. Oh yeah. Um, uh, which I thought was uh, and some some good smack talk. I felt like old Broncos Raiders. I know the Broncos and Raiders are uh, you know not um, you know as good as they used to be when the rivalry was really at its peak. But it feels like uh, Devontae Adams and Pat Sertan could maybe spark a, a new rivalry there between the two teams. You know what? Uh, to be totally honest, yes, um, I did see the, the the video and him yelling into uh, of the camera. And uh, for me, it was one of those things where I, I knew Devonte had that in him. We know just 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 knowing how he is, uh, and it's not that he's an arrogant guy. He's very confident. And let's go back to the first game where these two teams faced off in uh, Las Vegas. Devontae Adams didn't have one of those Devontae Adams types of games. And he heard all the noise about how great Patrick Sertan was and how he shut him down. Truth be told, that's exactly what happened. He didn't have a great game against Pat Sertan, even though he had, uh, you know, some yards in that game, but it wasn't the Devontae Adams game like we saw on Sunday. So with the game on the line, Pat Sertan in coverage, you make that walk-off touchdowns. Absolutely. Especially for a team that was two and six coming into the game on Sunday, and they beat their division rival twice with Josh McDaniels as a, as their head coach. Of course, he was going to say something about it. But you alluded to something that's real, really important. When we look at this rival, right, a rivalry, you know, it hasn't really lived up to those expectations. This could have been the play that lights the flame that reignites that rivalry between the two teams, and knowing as though. Uh, Devontae Adams has a long contract with the Raiders and Pat Sertan is in the second year and he's not going anywhere. We're going to see more of this battle and knowing Patrick Sertan the way I know him, but more importantly, knowing his dad, the way I know him, he's a little pissed off 
he was a little emotional after the game because, you know, that play was on him. But at the same time, this is a kid that is going to raise and elevate his level of play. And look, that play, George, would have got me. It would have got Chad Bailey because it was the perfect adjustment. If you go back to the second half of the Broncos game, the Raiders ran the same formation, same play. Kareem Jackson came down on the opposite side, right? But Kareem underplayed the ball, and that's the play where Devontae caught the ball and fell on the ground and should have gained more yards. They came right back to it. And I knew what, what Pat Sertan was trying to do. He was trying to beat Adams on a deep over route, then he just anticipated wrong, and it ended up being a touchdown. But at, at the sake of saying, you know, wanting to see more of this battle between these two guys, that play, those comments have only ignited the flame inside of PS2 and rejuvenated this rivalry between the Broncos and the Raiders. What say you? Yeah, no, I think 100%. And those are two Those are two guys – I mean, come on. Devontae Adams is probably the best wide receiver in the NFL. Patrick Sertan right now could make an argument for being the best corner in the NFL. They're in the same division. Uh, you know, look, Pat Sertan may not be there yet, according to Devontae Adams, but he will be there soon. Uh, I mean, he's a guy that w- we've seen it all year, Nick. He had one – I wouldn't even say it was a bad game. Uh, he had maybe one bad play, right? He gets beat on one bad play, uh, and that happens. And, and honestly, you watch him, and, and the way that it happens, like you said, he was he was thinking it was going. You know, he was he was already like, "Hey, they ran this play. Yep. I know where the ball's going." And a lot of guys wouldn't even be thinking about that. Nope. So uh, again, you get beat on one play by one just spectacular player. It's gonna happen. Uh, I love the smack talk. Uh, I love Sertan being pissed off after the game. Uh, it just tells me that he's gonna he's gonna get better. I mean, look, the guys of like you said, his dad. Uh, he's of 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 the the pedigree to be a great player in this league. Went to Alabama. I mean, he's played at the highest levels. Pat Sertan's gonna be just fine. Uh, I just I kind of like the smack talk from Devontae Adams because I do think it gives this rivalry a little bit of a spark. But Nick, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about on the defensive side of the football is, and, and Nathaniel Hack was asked about this yesterday is the pressure. Uh, the Broncos didn't didn't really get after Derek Carr. I think that a lot of us thought they would. Uh, Baron Browning was back. He was close. I don't know if you saw, Nick. He was close on a couple plays. Even on that final drive before overtime, he was so close to strip sacking. Derek Carr just couldn't get there. We didn't see much of Nick Benito, Jonathan Cooper, Jacob Martin, those guys who played so well uh, in Tennessee. We didn't really see them get after the, after the quarterback. Are you worried at all about the edge pressure? And, and obviously, they still continue. They have some depth there, but they've also got some guys banged up. I'm not overly concerned, but it is something that's on my mind because when you look at uh, what has been the catalyst for this Broncos defense playing as well as they play, it has a lot to do with uh, edge pressure. Sometimes it's not just sacking the quarterback, but forcing the quarterback into somewhat of an error throw and knowing as of late that the Broncos have not been able to do it. I'll even go back to the Thursday night game in overtime against the Colts when, you know, Baron Browning injured his hip and he had to, I think it was a wrist. I'm sorry. It was a wrist injury and he had to come out. The moment he came out, that changed the complexity of the game and Matt Ryan was able to move the ball down the field. So you fast forward to uh, Sunday against the Raiders. Russell Wilson was sacked three times. Derek Carr, once. 
And you're right. There were several players who got close, but that doesn't end up on the stat sheet as far as, hey, you were close here and there. It's all about being able to make plays. And when we think about the Broncos and why they've had trouble, is is the fact that you're you're not making as many plays as your opposition, especially when the game is uh, in a closeout situation. On that last play that Derek Carr found uh, Devontae Adams on, on that double move, just consider what that was. If you're going to run a double move like that, your offensive line has to do a great job in protection. Once again, you go back to the first half on that same play, they did a great job in the loud car to just sit there, sit there, and wait for that deep over to take place. And Nick Benito, he was close. He was close, but he didn't make the play. So PS2 ended up being exposed, overrunning the play, and then trying to anticipate, but that's what it comes down to. I mean, you you have to be able to impact the quarterback in any fashion you can, a sack or pressure. The one thing it brings up is that how important and valuable that Randy Gregory is than we actually thought. So I can't wait for him to come back, but Baron Browning was just returning from that, that hip injury that held him up for a couple of weeks. So I just felt as though he wasn't himself, but I'm sure this week against Carolina, I anticipate or expect for this edge pressure to be a little more than what they were on Sunday. Yeah. And Hackett said uh, Gregory's day to day. So maybe they get him back this week. Uh, like you said, Baron Browning coming off the hip injury. He was close a couple times. Uh, he did have a really nice tackle for loss in the game. The, the only sack though, Nick uh, came from Josie Jewell, which just tells you that the only time they were able to really get any real pressure on Carr was when they brought an extra guy, uh, obviously off the edge or, or up the middle, whatever it was, I can't remember. But there wasn't a whole lot of winning your one-on-one battles on the edge there, and that's what you need from those guys. But here's Nathaniel Hackett uh, on DenverBroncos.com talking about uh, the concern of the edge pressure. Uh, I mean, when it comes to the pass rush, we obviously, you know, we have to do better. Uh, and that starts with the coaches it's, and then the players and everybody. We got to get to the quarterback. We're always trying to find ways for that. I thought there were some really good pass situations that we did get some pressure on them. We, uh, Alex got that one sack. We backed him up. And then uh, I know uh, Josie had one. And uh, that's something we're always looking to try to generate pressure on the quarterback. I'm looking at the stats from the game here, Nick. And he mentioned Alex Singleton. And I remember Alex Singleton having a sack. But why is he not listed on the stat sheet as a sack? You know, I, I don't know sometimes uh, that, you know, the statistician probably gets things uh, incorrect. But we saw the what the Raiders were doing to the Broncos, knowing as though the offensive line wasn't uh, hadn't shown that they can pick up certain uh, stunts. They kept sending uh, Denzel Perriman. And I think he had two or three quarterback hits on on Russell. And, and it just seemed as though those gaps, those A-gaps were just wide open. So hopefully the Broncos can fix that. You would like to see Azura Evero go to that, but I understood what he was trying to uh, do as far as keep his linebackers uh, uh, back. But once again, I'll, I'll say this, man. I, I'm still uh, proud of what Josie Jewell is putting on tape and what Alex Singleton is putting on tape as well. There were two plays that, you know, one for each guy that you would like to take back. But at the same time, man, I mean, a game doesn't come down to one single play or one single player because there's 60 minutes. And it's a, it's a team game. So I hope this loss burns in their mind. And because it was a division ride when I know they lost, you know, to the Tennessee Titans last week, but hopefully it burns in their mind and get them fired up to uh, face a Carolina Panthers team 
that's uh, having their issues themselves and try to get a victory. Nick, you brought up a point I wanted to ask you about is is the game the game plan, the defensive game plan. Uh, it felt like it was a little bit different than the last time they played the Raiders uh, in terms of what they were doing on, on, on a few things. D- do you think that the, the game plan was the right plan in terms of covering Devontae Adams? Because last time they played, and, and they did this some too the other day, but the last time they played, Sertan just shadowed Adams the entire game. And it, it was man coverage, covered him on almost every single play. Uh, this time around, it didn't seem that way. I mean, and the Raiders did some things to combat that. They moved him in the slot. They motioned him a bunch. Uh, did you did you like the game plan that they had defensively for this game? Yeah, I was okay with the game plan. I mean, it's the same thing sometimes with the offense on a given play. I mean, the same rules doesn't apply for this offense because it's play calling and it's execution. And what we've seen this season is the breakdown of one or two of those things with uh, the offense. But on defense, I, I love the game plan, but it came down to execution, right? On the, the plays that Pat Sertan uh, was covering uh, Devontae Adams, it was execution. You know, Kareem Jackson wasn't where he needed to be, ended up in a touchdown, right? Pat Sertan trying to make a play. The Raiders made a better play, got him on that one, execution. Then you look at stopping Josh Jacobs on certain plays, execution. You're talking about not winning your one-on-one battles on that last play in overtime, but throughout the entire game, that's execution, right? So sometimes it comes down to the players and execution, but that rule only applies to the defense side of the ball, not so much uh, the offense. So hopefully uh, these guys get a chance to uh, have looked over the film and saw where they could have been better and could have won on certain plays and just try to do that this week against Carolina. Well, yeah, and one guy I wanted to point out, Nick, that I, I think is actually playing really good on the defensive side, uh, and maybe we don't talk about him enough, is Damari Mathis. Uh, I don't know if you saw that from him as well on Sunday. You know, look, he 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 can get better in coverage at times. Obviously, you know, you look back at that Chargers game, how far he's come from that game, but he's really impressed me at that other corner spot. He's really physical, comes up, makes tackles in the run game. Uh, I think that kid's got got a bright future at corner. I don't know if, if that's how you feel, but he kind of stood out to me the other day as, as, as a guy that uh, is playing some good football right now for them. Yeah, I mean, he's in a, a difficult spot, but a great spot. And what I mean by that, you are playing opposite PS2, so you're going to take a lot of shots. People are going to come at you. But the one thing that I love about his attitude is that, yeah, has he, has he been penalized for holding and things like that and advance the ball for the opponents? Absolutely, but he's never gotten down on himself. He just used that to just kind of move him forward. But here's the other thing. He is tackling. It's not the fact that he's a willing tackler. It's a guy that he wants to tackle, and that helps out well. He had, one, he had a great tackle against Josh Jacobs, which was one-on-one tackle, and that showed me a rate of confidence that he has. So I'm okay with his development, and I'm cool with him, but this is only going to make the Broncos better moving into next season, knowing as though Darby is coming off an injury, and I think his contract may be up too uh, as well. So now the Broncos still have their two bookend corners, maybe go out in the draft and uh, pick up another corner as well. But I like what I've seen from Mathis this far. Yeah, Darby's got, I think, one year left on his contract, and I don't know if it's like a option type thing where the Broncos could opt to not bring him back. But, um, you know, I, I just I just really like Demar's game. I think he's been playing really well uh, and want to make sure we mention him. But, Nick, we got to take a quick break, uh, and then let's dive into uh, some some Thanksgiving 
uh, some some what are we thankful for? What are the Broncos thankful for? Uh, and also maybe talk a little bit about this Panthers matchup coming up on Sunday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. And, Nick, it's it's the week of Thanksgiving, uh, my personal favorite holiday, Nick. I, I don't know about you, but I love Thanksgiving because it's so simple, Nick. It's, it's the three Fs. It's football, family, and food. And it doesn't get better than that. I don't have to buy anybody presents. You know, I don't have to receive any presents and be like, oh, thank you, even though I don't really want, you know, whatever they got me. You know, I don't have to, you know, Fourth of July, there's all the noise and the fireworks, which is great. It's Fourth of July is great. It's a great holiday. Uh, Halloween, you got to think about what you're going to wear, dress up. Thanksgiving's the best, Nick. It's, it's the best. It's just food, which is really good food. I love Thanksgiving food. Uh, and you just sit around and you hang out with your family and watch football. You know what, man? You are uh, Scrooge McDuck for real. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you just want to come downstairs with your, 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 your house shoes on and your pajamas and just put your feet up on the ottoman and just watch uh, football yes. all day. Listen, I, I, I get it. Uh, Thanksgiving uh, it is a great holiday because of food, football, and, and family. But also, it is great for taking pictures. And what I mean by that is when you have turkey, you have that tryptophan, it puts people to sleep. So for me, it's a great opportunity for me to pull out my camera and take uh, some uh, memory photos, that's what I'm calling them, uh, of unsuspecting family members and guests who might have had too much uh, turkey. So yes, I I like uh, Thanksgiving, and uh, hopefully I'll be taking some photos uh, this year. Well, now I know not to spend Thanksgiving with you. Uh, that's what that that's what that tells me. But uh, Nick, I wanted to do a little fun segment here where we each give some reasons uh, why the Broncos should be thankful, uh, giving reasons for thanks for the Broncos. Why? Sh- what? What should the the Broncos be thankful for this Thanksgiving? They're sitting at three and seven. I think I looked it up. Less than 05 percent chance of making the playoffs. So. Maybe not a whole lot to be thankful for, but what what do you got up your sleeve for them to be thankful for? Well, you know, they do have some things to be thankful, and I have uh, three quick points. One, uh, the coaches should be thankful that they still have their jobs, for one. Uh, Didn't work out well for Melvin Gordon. But also being thankful that Clint Kubiak is expected to call plays for the second week against uh, the Carolina Panthers. So that is something to be thankful for. For and here's the third thing. Yeah, the Broncos are three and seven, and we're waiting to see if this team is going to improve. The season isn't over, George. They still have uh, several games, seven, I believe, to really show that they have made some improvement. So, to me, those are three things that the Broncos should be thankful for. 
Yeah, my number one was thankful that they still have jobs um, because just the way things have been trending, Nick, it just seems like it's inevitable that unless things start turning around, like you said, and they got time, they've got seven games, right? They go on a run, they win some of these games, maybe they beat the Chiefs, right? You beat the Chiefs, you might save your job, right? Uh, so you that's what you should be thankful for is, hey, we got seven games left here to try and keep our jobs because some people would have already let them go, right? Some people would have, you know, during the bye week said, you know what, we're moving on, we're going to do something different uh, and, and kind of, you know, mail it in. But Broncos have said, you know what, we'll give them some more ch- some more time. Uh, you know, like you said, Clint Kubiak continuing to call plays, which we, we didn't even brought that up. That might have been the story of the day yesterday other than Melvin Gordon uh, being cut. But, um, you know, I think that there are a couple things to be thankful for. I was also going to say the injury situation seems to be looking better in terms of sounds like Jerry Judy might be back this week. Randy Gregory is, is trending towards getting back. Tom Compton was actually active the other day. Maybe he gets to play uh, here soon. So uh, there's there's a couple things to look forward to if 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 you're the Broncos. You get to play a bad Panthers team, so maybe you get a win this week. Uh, so th- there's there's a few things that I think the Broncos are are going to be thankful for. But I, I did want to bring up Nick. You, you mentioned Clint Kubiak. Do you think it's the right move uh, to keep him as the play caller moving forward? I know there were some people uh, saying, well. They still only scored 16 points, uh, but do you think it's the right move to, to continue with him as the play caller? Yeah, uh, definitely. And uh, those individuals saying that the Broncos only scored 16 points, just think about how they moved the ball down the field. I mean, that was their first opening drive touchdown, I believe, all season long. And just look at how they did it. I mean, being under center, uh, under shot, I mean, under center, in shotgun, quick passes, getting everyone involved, crossers. Uh, slant routes to Cortland Sutton, uh, Kendall Hinton even got into the mix. And once again, you just go back. If Melvin doesn't fumble the ball, the score is what a 17 to seven at that point for the Denver Broncos. So it had a little fluidity to it, something that we hadn't really seen. And Hackett was saying, Hey, he was trying to talk to Russell and he was trying to pu- press the button, but he realized, guess what? He doesn't have the button. Only person to talk to Russell was Clint Kubiak, and maybe that's a good thing because Russ not having too many people in his head. So I really like what what, what I saw. Things start offensively because uh, protection, once again, started to break down. But I thought that Clint Kubiak, just kind of the way that he approached the game as far as play calling, there were some plays that definitely uh, were there. And I would like to see uh, definitely where this goes with Clint. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I, I think that it actually looked a lot more efficient at times, right? Um, the run game is still not there. And I think part of that is just because they don't have the offensive line right now and, and probably also just the talent at running back right now um, <clears throat> in terms of guys that could be super explosive there. Um, so we'll see if they can they can figure that out this week, Nick. But it is a weird week for them in terms of preparation um, you know, Monday, I don't believe they practiced. Uh, they are going to practice on Tuesday, typically their day off Wednesday. They're practicing. They're off on Thursday, which is odd. Uh, but you know, obviously it's for Thanksgiving and then practice on Friday, uh, travel on Saturday. Is that a weird week to you? I know there's been in previous seasons, I believe that they typically practice on Thanksgiving. Maybe it's a shorter practice on Thanksgiving, but, but what, what do you think of that week in, in, 
is that how you guys did it? I mean, what do you remember about practicing uh, around Thanksgiving and maybe even other holidays like Christmas and things like that? Yeah, that was always kind of a, a weird week as far as uh, preparation and just trying to get your mindset for uh, that upcoming Sunday's game because you got family coming in. Uh, that That's an added distraction. And then if you're winning, then everyone is happy. That's more family members. When you're in a situation with the Broncos, that means less family members, but family members nonetheless. And during my time, usually we, we practice as a coach and as a player. You practice on that Thursday because you had that Tuesday Tuesday off. But I, I like the schedule of what Nathaniel Hackett is presenting and why he's doing it. Usually Tuesday is that bona fide day off, but he's deciding to work on that day, work um, and give the, the players that Thursday off because it's important. I mean, you want that whole day to be with uh, your family. And, and some of these guys are, are single and they haven't seen their families in a while due to COVID. So it's, it's a great thing to kind of offer up to the players, almost as an extension of maybe an olive branch, hoping that maybe that would inspire players to play great on Sunday and maybe from here on out. But I, I, I kind of like that schedule uh, much better because it, it reduces uh, the headache. You said it yourself. I mean, this is the best holiday for you. And we already know that, I mean, you don't want to cook. You just want to sit there and be with your family. So why not give the players that Thursday off? Yeah, I, I mean, I like the move uh, mostly because I don't have to go to practice on Thursday either. Right. Uh, Nick, that's great for me. Uh, but uh, I also don't think it has any effect on, you know, I saw some people out there like, well, they should be practicing on Thanksgiving and, you know, they're three and seven and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, man, like some things are bigger than football one. Also too, like them switching from practicing on Thursday to Tuesday, I don't think will have any effect on the game on Sunday. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, again, I've never played in the NFL, but I don't think it'll have an effect. Do you, do you, I mean, do you think that changing the schedule like that will have any sort of effect on preparation for the game? No, man. I mean, I mean, the players are allowed one day off during the week. And if you have victory Monday, which the Broncos haven't had around here in a while, you get two days off, right? Uh, but no, you, you're going to get that traditional one day off and you're doing it later, later in the week. So that, that means that the guys are getting the game plan earlier than they usually get it. And it gives them time to, you know, on Thursday to spend that time with their family, but also still have an opportunity to go over the game plan. And oh, by the way, they're still going to practice on Friday. So this should not have any impact on the players and game preparation whatsoever. Quickly, Nick, what do you think about this matchup with the Panthers? Uh, obviously, Panthers have not had a great season, three and eight. Uh, it sounds like we don't even know who's going to start a quarterback for them. Uh, could be Baker Mayfield, who looked terrible last week uh, through two interceptions against the Ravens. They only scored three points. Um, you would think this would be a big day for the Broncos' defense. Um, you know, it, their defense is pretty good, the Panthers. They've got some good playmakers. Uh, but this this feels like another game that the Broncos should win. Um, quickly, what do you think of this matchup with the Panthers? Well, you mentioned that the Panthers do have a, a highly underrated defense that can definitely get after this offense. So it's going to be up to Clint Kubiak to kind of scheme guys open, create some space uh, for the wide receivers. But more importantly, try to finally get that run game on track because I would love to see more play action from Russell Wilson because I know he's been waiting to chunk the ball down the field. So I would love to see that. But also, don't don't forget, I mean, Baker Mayfield has won some games uh, in, in this in this league. And uh, the, the backup quarterback, P.J., 
Uh, I've talked to PJ before, even when he was in the XFL. This is still a very talented uh, guy at the quarterback position. They can move the pocket. And knowing as though the Broncos have not, as of late, been able to kind of bring down the quarterback, all you have to do is just kind of give them some time and they can make some uh, plays and make some throws. So this is not a gimme game as we thought it was for the Denver Broncos. If they want to win win this game against the Carolina Panthers, they have to go out and take it. Yeah, they're a scrappy group. Um, and, you know, as someone who – I mean, I know Baker personally, um, you know, having gone to school with him at Oklahoma and covering him, you know, he's a guy that um, – they may be three and eight, but he that doesn't mean he's going to come out there and just, you know, uh, give up and not play hard, right? Uh, I don't know if he'll play well. Um, he hasn't been playing well this season, and – I don't know how much of that is his fault. Obviously, their head coach gets fired after a few games. Uh, it doesn't seem like they have a, a great, talented off, you know, offense. I mean, they traded Christian McCaffrey. That kind of told you, told you everything you need to know about what they thought about their season. But um, this is a scrappy Panthers team, and you're playing on the road. Uh, the Broncos have not been great, um, you know, on the road. They haven't been great at home either. Uh, but you know, I, I think that this is a game. That they're the more talented team, uh, I do, I, and I think that they should be able to stop this Panthers offense. I just don't know if the Broncos offense can move the ball much either. So I, I think you're looking at uh, once again another slugfest in terms of um, you know what this game will look like. Nick, what's your score prediction for this game? Well, I'm going to stick with the tradition of the Broncos not scoring that many points, and you know as bad as Carolina has been at times. Uh, there's a possibility for another low-scoring game. So I'll say 17-14, Broncos win. Yeah, I'm taking the Broncos 10-3. to I think it's very ugly. Uh, I think the defenses play really well. Um, but I do think the Broncos get a touchdown. Uh, I, think, I think Russell Wilson throws his 300th touchdown pass in his career. Uh, and that's the, that's the game. That's the difference is, is a touchdown pass from Russell Wilson. Uh, in what I think will be an ugly game. Lastly, Nick, before we get out of here, it's Thanksgiving. We talked about what the Broncos are thankful for. I want to know what what are you thankful for this week? Man, I'm thankful for for life because if you don't wake up uh, that morning, then that means there's a big void in uh, your life. So I'm thankful for waking up every morning. I'm thankful for you know my my family having the ability and the health to go out and help people here in uh, the community here in, in Denver, man. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful for getting to know you uh, more and thankful for our producer, Nick. You know, uh, life, as we saw what happens in Colorado Springs, I mean, it, it can happen quick and it can be taken away uh, from you. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just thankful for all the people that I've gotten a chance to know and I'm looking forward to getting uh, to know more people. Yeah, that's Dang, Nick, that was deep, man. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, I I am also thankful for my family, obviously. Um, Thankful for my aunt and uncle who are having me over for Thanksgiving on Thursday. I'm lucky enough that I do have some – most of my family is in Oklahoma, but uh, a good chunk are also here in Denver, so I'm going to get to see them on Thanksgiving. Uh, Going to uh, also see some friends this week uh, that I knew from college that uh, live here, so thankful for them. Thankful for this job, Nick. I know we sit here and we complain about having to watch some ugly football games, uh, right, every week. But uh, at the end of the day, we're watching football at the highest level, man. Uh, That's a pretty cool job. So 
thankful for for the Denver Gazette giving me this opportunity. Uh, thankful for this podcast. Uh, the two Nicks, the best Nicks in the world, other than my brother Nick. My brother's also Nick, so I have all these Nicks in my life. Thankful <laughs> for all of them. But uh, you know, thankful for just getting to get to do this every day, Nick. I think it's a it's a really cool job um, and, and something that I look forward to every single week. So uh, and thankful for the listeners, Nick. Shout out the listeners. Yeah. Uh, you know, thankful for you guys. Make sure you guys like, subscribe this podcast. Uh, we won't have one the rest of this week. We hope you guys enjoy your Thanksgiving. Hope you guys uh, are thankful for everything going on in your lives as well. Uh, and we will see you guys after the Panthers game on Sunday.